nya 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 pa mba babwe zimbabwe <clears throat> the broken bunsen burner burns so bright south jamie southeast asian peninsula hey, hey jamie yes i think the only line we need from you today is drivers who switch to progressive could say big Cool. I just got to finish my warm-ups. <clears throat> foul, foul, throw in the towel. History, history. Switch history, to Progressive history. today. Santa ski slalom in a salmon skin suit. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, North Swim, good early this, Eagle Eyes on Tech. I am Eagle Falcon. We have uh, quite a lot to talk about. It is, we are recording this the day before WWDC, and if the rumors are true, then uh, this is going to be uh, a WWDC that is going to be very much talked about for quite some time in the tech community, not just because it's an all digital worldwide developer conference, which by the way is what WWDC stands for. I should first quickly go over what that is. Shouldn't I? The WWDC is the worldwide developer conference it is when apple announces major well announcements to the mac platform granted nowadays apple it makes much much more and is much much more focused on the iphone than literally any other product they have but the mac is still a big part of the computer world. This is the WWDC is when we start seeing what features going to be coming out in the iOS, which is the operating system that the iPhone runs on, as well as the iPad, etc., 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 and the three iPod touches that still exist in the world, as well as major changes coming to macOS. There, what, what do they call the TV operating system? Is it just TVOS? I'm pretty sure it's just TVOS and then watchOS as well. And of course, the rumors which we've talked about, and I actually have no new stories about WWDC. Almost all the ones I had, I've either already talked about or we're just like, that seems way too out there. We'll just see what it is. We are expecting. By the time this podcast actually comes out, it comes out at 4 o'clock on Monday, and WWDC is at noon on Monday, and we're recording this currently just short of 1 o'clock on Sunday. So talking about, so you're not going to have any new WWDC news here, though I will be talking about it Tuesday morning on the Early Bird Briefing. But we are expecting to hear that Apple plans on ditching Intel and in fact ditching the x86 architecture entirely and that is and granted 
the number of Macs do not outnumber the the number of PCs or even the number of iPhones out there in the world. But then again, the AirPods also weren't planning on being big either. And well, the AirPods, which was a, by comparison, a very minor announcement from Apple, that has literally changed the world as far as how we handle portable audio now. Almost every single major set of earbuds now are wireless you can't even get high quality in-ear earbuds anymore unless you go to a specialty shop or specifically hunt them down you go to like a Walgreens or something, it's just going to be the budget ones that's it it had ripple effects that became big waves Without a doubt. And I suspect that this announcement, if it is true that the Mac is going to be officially switching from Intel and the x86 platform over to their own in-house ARM chips, it is going to be major, major problems for not only Intel but AMD, because it's going to signal to every other PC manufacturer in the world that, you know, maybe x86 is dead and we need to switch to ARM. I'm not going to lie. I'm not okay with that. I'm not okay with it yet. There's still way too much of the world that utilizes x86, and this kind of signal may... And again, it's a big May, but it may start to mark the end of PCs being x86 based. Okay, yeah, chat's pointing out that it's technically x64 and not x86. Technically, yes, but no one, even those in the tech field, call it X64. They always refer to the Intel and AMD architecture as X86. But in any case, enough of theoretical news. Let's talk about actual news. Like how Microsoft has found a bug within Windows 10... That is causing inkjet printers, or just printers in general, which, by the way, is there any piece of technology that is worse than the inkjet printer? It has one job! One job! And it absolutely sucks at it. Like, there's no way you can argue it. Can you think of a single inkjet printer? That works 100% of the time. Granted, a lot of it is perception. Because are you happy whenever an inkjet printer actually works? No. Most of the time, you're, you're just like, oh, good, it worked. So it works 100 times in a row, and then the one time it jams, 
you're furious with it. And that's what gives the perception that it sucks. I, I grant that. But now you have on top of that a bug within Windows 10 that can cause any kind of printer function to just stop. To just error on printing anything, including printing to PDF. Which, by the way, still feels bizarre that you, that on PCs you print to PDF as opposed to save to PDF. That is actually one thing that macOS got right, and the us in the PC space, no, we're wrong. You you save to a PDF. You don't print to a PDF, but we still have to print to a PDF. But I digress. There is currently no fix for the printer bug and Microsoft is working on it. I'm not going to lie. I would not hesitate on my work computer if it had this bug. It would not take me very long to whip out the Windows 7 install disk and start downgrading. In a professional sense, I have no love for Windows 10. But at the same time, it is... Well, it's it's pretty much what you're stuck with in the Windows world, unless you have an older PC that can still work with Windows 7. That being said, I am not advocating everyone go downgrade from Windows 10 to Windows 7. Do not misunderstand me. You are still going to be much, 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 much less secure on Windows 7 than you would on Windows 10. All right, let's just get that out of the way. Let's shift gears radically. There is a computer seller called Open Core Computers. Who in fact is not affiliated with Open Core Bootloader, an open source project to emulate Apple's UEFI to allow the installation of macOS on non-Apple computers. Well, Open Core Computers had a brilliant idea. Let's take the Open Core Bootloader, which is used for home nerds to install macOS on non-Mac computers, and then afterwards pull out every single strand of hair they have on their head as they frustratingly try to get every single component working because the Hackintosh community is pretty much a practice in technological masochism since, man, Apple has not made it easier over the years to install macOS on PCs. Like, in ways that I just couldn't even comprehend. Like, there's specific motherboards that work pretty well, but then there's, like, oh, you're not going to be able to use Apple Messenger because you don't have a T2 chip, and this, that, and the other thing. And that's the real reason for the T2 chip. That and also to make Lewis Rossman's life a living hell as he tries to repair Macs that just decide to spontaneously combust. But open core computers, as I keep alluding to, is 
selling off-the-shelf hardware pre-installed with Mac OS. By the way, if you couldn't figure it out, that is very much in violation of the terms of service to use macOS, and I guarantee you, open core computers, despite the fact that they are only taking payments in the form of Bitcoin cryptocurrency, I guarantee you they're going to get a knock on the door from Apple lawyers and be sued into oblivion. And I don't see them winning. Like, it's obvious they're only taking cryptocurrency as payment solely because they think, well, it's not technically money by a legal definition, and therefore we're not in violation of the the, the terms of service. <laughs> I I guarantee you they are not going to win this case. The case isn't even filed yet. And I can already see how this is going to go. I will say this much, though. If I was to build a commercial Hackintosh, which is the term given to a PC with macOS installed on it, I would not call it what they're calling it when, and they are referring to it as the Velociraptor. I'm sorry, I just wouldn't. That's just me, though. Well, Apple can go ahead and have fun with that. It's good, it gives the Apple lawyer something to do. Oh, wait. I take that back. The Apple lawyers already have something to do. Apple is being sued for allowing loot boxes in their app store. What? So a complaint was filed in the Northern District of California has, well, Apple is promoting gambling by allowing FIFA soccer to exist on the App Store. Now, here's my real question. Here's here's the question you really need to ask yourself. Which version of FIFA is it? Come on, I want to know. Which year version is it? I know it doesn't matter. But Parmy just wants to know, is it actually FIFA 2020 that's on the App Store? That FIFA has evolved so little that an iPhone can run it. And that that is just additional proof that EA has literally invented, or I'm sorry, that EA Sports has literally invented and innovated on nothing. But regardless, this is going to be yet another case trying to make the case that loot boxes are in fact gambling, which has been affirmed in a number of sports that, or in a number of sports, in a number of courts that loot boxes are in fact gambling, 
However, no actual action has been done about it. It is yet another step in the war against loot boxes. Now, speaking of the Apple App Store, the new email app, Hey, is finding itself in a uh, battle with the Apple App Store. So, the app, Hey, as far as I'm aware, uses... A subscription model and what the app does is that it takes you to an outside page to pay for its subscription service the email application requires a payment of $99 per year now personally I think that's a little high I can think of another a number of email services that are cheaper that still don't have the cons of say having your emails scrubbed for information by Yahoo or Google or whatever cuz that that's the thing the free email services they're free for a reason they're free because they want to sell you ads that's the whole point of Gmail that's the whole point of of Hotmail. That's the whole point of Outlook.com. That's the whole look of Yahoo, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So Hayes' whole thing is that you just pay us $100 a year, and we don't scan for any of that. And it does offer a a number of other services that I imagine a lot of various users for email just don't really care about. And in the end, if it were me, I would just go ahead and use like a GoDaddy or a domain.com to register a domain and use their email hosting services, which is going to be cheaper than $99 a year. And you control all of the email, including the first part of it, your name, and then the at whatever.com. I'm just saying, if you want to look professional, that's the way to do it. But needless to say, the Hey Email app is bringing up a very controversial topic. It's the fact that according to the Apple Terms of Service, if you have an app within the Apple App Store that takes payments of any kind, it has to be done, built into the app, and not go out to a another website and then as a result Apple takes a 30% cut this is exactly why on the Twitch app if you try to subscribe or buy bits you see the price is much higher specifically 30% higher specifically for this reason because think about it In the case of Bits, 
for Twitch. Twitch has to pay one cent per bit to the streamer. The rest of it covers their costs for processing the payment and also, of course, the profit that then goes to managing their servers, paying their staff, paying the guy who has to fix all the bugs that the staff went and made in the first place, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. There is an upkeep to that sort of thing. So then for Apple to just come in and take a 30% cut of that, that's not something that a service like Twitch could afford. So that's why Twitch took the route of marking it up on the app. Well, $99 per year is already a steep price. Could you imagine if Hay had to mark it up to a buck to 130? Hmm. That might be what they're forced to do. But of course, well, this started the conversation of everyone else. Hey, email has managed to cause every, a whole bunch of other developers to come forward about this kind of behavior. Well, you know what Apple said about it? Apple said, hey, email, you know what? You should have never been approved in the first place. So Apple goes and responds to a email and literally everyone else who's trying to say that a 30% cut is too high and just saying, hey, you can just not be here. And there is something to that. I mean, you don't have to be on the Apple App Store, but at the same time, if you want to be on an Apple phone, which is now a large percentage of the mobile user base, that is your only option. And that starts raising questions about monopolies and antitrust. Oh, wait a minute. Did I just say antitrust? Well, that can only mean one thing. Yes! The European Union has launched an investigation into the Apple App Store and Apple Pay. Oh, boy. (laughs) Oh, was this really the news that Apple wanted to be involved with the week before... WWDC. Whoops. Now, when push comes to shove, you know what? I, I, I you know what? I kind of feel for Apple. It is their platform. They control it. On the other hand, Yeah, you do kind of have a problem here. And Google has the same problem, too. 
that everything has to go through one app store. And I kind of see both sides. The whole one app store model does ensure that the platform is secure. That there is, in fact, one place that you can go to and guarantee you're going to get safe and stable applications on your phone that you're not going to install hot garbage that is going to make your phone perform abnormal or just under par or just explode. I'm not saying that there's going to be an app that makes your phone explode. But I'm just saying, I get that. But on the other hand, look at everything I just said. About how Apple is literally being as inflexible as possible. Just saying, this is our cut, pay our cut, or GTFO. So that's where I stand. I I see both sides in this, and in the end, all I can do, because of course, being just one guy with a microphone... I have really no say into how this all shakes out. I would instead just recommend pulling up a lounge chair, popping some popcorn, and let's just watch the show. This is going to be fascinating. On the bright side, though, speaking of antitrust, um, the world kind of figured out something. That whole uh, making a professional Mac tower, but making it so that you could never, ever upgrade the built-in SSDs or replace them, it's not ideal. Because here's the thing with a professional product. I repeat this over and over and over and over and over and over and over again. Up time is key. Even when it comes to, say, this Twitch stream that I do, as a hobby, I go out of my way to make sure that uptime is always a possibility. Everything here is on a UPS, so if the power goes out, I can still stay live long enough to safely shut down everything. Granted, it's only going to get by me five minutes, but it's still an option. If my mixer or my microphone dies, I have a spare XLR mic that could pop in for for the microphone. If the mixer dies, I do have a spare XLR mixer. If something else dies in in that, I've always got my Blue Yeti, a USB microphone, so I can just take the XLR components all out of the equation and just use that. I have a spare keyboard. I have a spare mouse. I have a spare monitor. Sitting over in the server room, if need be. If something in the streaming computer dies, I do have spare components for them. If, if for whatever reason I can't get it up and running, there's still my laptop that I could just move over a few components and bam, the stream's back up and running. 
Now you take that into a professional work environment and that uptime is even more important. So for say a Mac Pro tower, a tower that you spent at minimum $6,000 for it to go down it's unacceptable. And currently with the built-in SSDs, if they die, your only option is to take it to a genius bar and wait, I'm not even kidding, wait up to a week for an SSD to be ordered, mailed in, Replace the data be moved over and then brought back to you. That's not acceptable in the professional world. That is a full week of downtime. That is a full week. It's a literal full week of your crew needing this professional tool, doing nothing. So to now see that these SSD upgrade kits can be purchased, it first off means that A, you can now upgrade the internal storage, and more importantly, B, you can have a spare SSD on standby. And concerning the fact this professional piece of equipment will not boot without the internal SSDs, that is a big deal. That still blows me away, by the way. Even if you populate one of the many PCI Express expansion slots with a third-party SSD, it still requires the internal SSD. And yes, that includes even if you boot off that third-party solid-state drive. So, good job, Apple. You managed to do the one thing professionals expect you to do. Oh, yeah, there's also a new MacBook Pro graphic option in the 16-inch. You can now get a Radeon Pro 5600M as we are on the edge of the next generation of GPUs, both from AMD and NVIDIA. It's good to see that... The 16-inch MacBook Pro is caught up before it becomes behind again. And no, the 13-inch model still does not get the option for a discrete GPU. But if you wanted to go ahead and get any of these components from an Apple store, I got bad news. Apple stores are closing again! In Florida, Arizona, North Carolina, and South Carolina due to COVID-19 spikes. So they close down because of COVID-19, then open again because COVID-19 has starting to go down and because, of course, the rest of the world is starting to open back up again. Then a lot of the stores close down again because people are using 
protests as an excuse to loot everything in sight. Only then open back up again afterwards, after that's all calmed down a bit. Only to then close up again. You know who I'm really starting to feel bad for? The people who work the floors as salesmen at the Apple stores. I am actually legitimately curious if they get paid during this time. We're going to take a break here when we come back. Elgato is actually challenging the audio space. This one's going to be very interesting. Hey, we get it. You don't want to be hearing a progressive commercial right now. So let us tell you something you do want to hear. You are intelligent. You make all the right decisions. You were smart before smart was cool, and you made it cool again. You have a wealth of knowledge, and you are so very clever. (laughs) I bet you already knew I was going to say that, you genius. There, don't you feel better? You'll also feel better when you hear you could save big when you switch to progressive. But I'm pretty sure you already knew that, too. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. How did I end up here? Welcome back, Eagle Eyes on Tech. I'm Eagle Falcon. GeForce Now has been pretty much like the punching bag of every single developer out there when it comes to cloud gaming. Like, let's be honest, as far as cloud gaming services go, you know of the Xbox One that's coming out soon, TM, eventually, GeForce Now that's trying to launch in earnest, And Stadia, which, I mean, who hasn't laughed at Stadia? Like, I actually do know a few people who are, like, true believers in Stadia being the future and support it now in its current state. And I'm, and I mean, no offense to those people, but I don't know how you can legitimately look at Stadia as it stands right now and say, yes, good job. This is an acceptable platform and I 100% support it. No. No. Absolutely not. GeForce Now, on the other hand, lets you use the NVIDIA servers to do all the hard, all the back-end work of the game, but just looks to see, do you already own it? Well, initially, GeForce saw no reason to go to developers, and this did not bode well with developers and almost all of them pulled back. And now what they instead decided to do was just say, all right, 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 all right. All right. If you want to be in, just say the word, we'll let you in. And that approach seems to be working. Square Enix has now brought all of their titles in, except according to this list, I don't see... Final Fantasy 15 on there, which is kind of 
bizarre. Battalion 1944, Boundless, Deus Ex, Human Revolution, Deus Ex, Mankind Divided, Just Cause 3, Just Cause 4, Life is Strange, Life is Strange 2. Do you really, like, real, real talk here for a second. Do you really need a service like GeForce Now to play Life is Strange and Life is Strange 2? I'm pretty sure my Atom tablet can max out those two. Rise of the Tomb Raider, the 20-year celebration. Shadow of the Tomb Raider, Sleeping Dogs, Supreme Commander. The Awesome Adventures of Captain Spirit, same boat as Life is Strange, and Tomb Raider. As well as a handful of other games that are also approved but are not Square Enix related. Hard Space Shipwrecked, Automation, Paladins, Power of Seasons, Samurai Showdown, Satisfactory, and Smite. It's happening! GeForce now is allowed to get games again. Woohoo! It's a Christmas miracle. You know what else is a Christmas miracle? The timing of Elgato. We got a little bit of a teaser about this during CES. Elgato shared a close-up of what was obviously a microphone grill. So we had a sneaking suspicion that Elgato was working on microphones. And well, they have released two microphones this week. The Wave 1 and the Wave 3. We're not sure what happened to the Wave 2. We have to assume it is lost at sea somewhere. These microphones are actually, from what tests I've heard, they are pretty comparable to the Blue Yeti and the Blue Yeti X. And then on top of that, they have a GoXLR-like software in the background powering it, including the ability to mix audio feeds together. And for someone just starting off in content creation, that's a big deal. And the fact that software is free with the microphone, and the microphone is only... $140 and $170. That is actually a very, very compelling product to get if you're looking to upgrade from, say, a headset or a very entry-level mic, like a $50 USB mic. This, however, is not a replacement for an XLR microphone like the one I use here, the Shure SM7B, or a replacement for any kind of XLR equipment like the Go XLR. But why do I say the timing is perfect? Remember a couple weeks ago when I said that 
a lot of streaming gear is price gouged like nobody's business. You literally cannot get a GoXLR or GoXLR Mini. You just can't. You can get a different mixer and then very, very quickly try to learn how said mixer works. Good luck with that, though. Unless you're really, like, fairly knowledgeable in audio engineering, you're going to have a problem. And I'm not saying that, like, oh, it's really hard. It's like, it's, there's literally a learning curve. It's not as easy as plug and play. The Yeti, the Quadcaster are all price gouged right now. The Razer microphone you should never get. Do not ever get a Razer microphone. They are terrible. They look nice, but they are awful. I'm not going to lie. I'm actually not a fan of Razer really much at all. Build quality is just not there in my experience. So for this mic to come out, it's literally launching right now with basically no competition. Which is funny because there is competition for this mic. It just right now doesn't exist because of COVID-19. Now, that's assuming that Elgato wasn't stupid and launched this mic with no shop having it in stock. I can't imagine Elgato would be that stupid. Now, my personal recommendation between the Wave 1 and the Wave 3, get the Wave 3. To me personally, if you're if you're torn between these two mics, the range difference on the on the Wave 3 as well as the additional features it's a no-brainer. It's worth the 30 bucks easily. Now, that being said, these are what are referred to as condenser microphones. The microphone I use, the Shure SM7B, is what's referred to as dynamic. It is more focused on making sure that the only thing you hear is my voice. It is very difficult for you to hear anything else. I can be snapping like this pretty close to the microphone and you can hear it but if I go further away it's much harder for it to be picked up. In fact, a lot of the times when I type on the keyboard you really don't hear it all that much. 
A condenser microphone is not like that. It will pick up all that kind of extra background noise. One of the reasons I actually switched to this microphone specifically is because a lot of the equipment here has built-in fans and they hum. There is, in fact, an air conditioner running right next to me. You probably didn't even notice that because it's a dynamic microphone. A microphone like the Yeti would definitely pick it up. The Yeti is actually very sensitive. The Yeti, in fact, actually, as far as a microphone goes, I actually use that specifically for... conventions because they are because the mic is more likely to pick up what the audience would ask as far as questions go the elgato wave mics would more than likely also have a very similar problem now other features like patterns are not available on the wave they use what is referred to as a cardioid pattern They pick up audio that's in front of the capsule and to the left and to the right of the capsule, which I have just said on this, on the stream, holding up the wrong hands for each of them. I do know they're in between left and right. Stop, stop thinking I don't. So there are some drawbacks to the mic. It's not to say that this microphone is the end all be all four microphones go spend 200 bucks on this microphone a pop filter a freaking shock mount by the way elgato is making a custom shock mount and pop filter to make sure that they are compatible with it the only thing elgato's not making is a mic arm for it but the however the mounting and everything is standard with other audio arms so you'd be pretty much in you'd be pretty much set so all said and done the microphone is very compelling for anyone starting into podcasting or into streaming or into any kind of content creation like that. And of course it comes at a time when every other option in existence is gone. That being said though, I do think the mic looks very boring. And that's more of a personal choice. Like, if you're looking for a mic that's very much a show-off, uh, Blue has some capsule, ha- has some... What, what? What is the name of the mic? I now actually cannot remember what the name of, like, the oddball show-off mic that's actually really good that Blue has. Uh, and I go type up the wrong thing. Ba-ba-da-ba-da-ba-da. Here we go. The Yeti, of course, is a very iconic look, though everyone has it. You're not going to really stand out with that look. Uh, Snowball actually is starting to look like it stands out quite a bit. 
the Spark. That's the one that is a very much like a standout kind of mic. If you're really looking for something that like stands out, Spark's actually not is actually a pretty good pick, to be perfectly honest. But you know, it's all up to you. I would say by far, as far as microphone shopping goes, the quality of the mic, by far, top tier. But that Razer microphone has LEDs that show emojis on it. No. Bad. The microphone sounds like a tin can and you know it. Don't do it. Quality first. And the Elgato microphone has both the quality of the capsule and the software to back it up to go and help with that as well. The the mic, however, I should say, does not have a compressor. And if you're like me, where you like to go ahead and just shout into a microphone, that is very key. A compressor is actually what allows me to get a nice and close and whisper but still have the audio sound nice like this. But then just go ahead and shout! And have the audio remain roughly the same without blowing out your eardrums. And the only person I'd be pissing off is my downstairs neighbors, who I can hear right now marching up the stairs to go and drag me outside. I kid, they're not. Oddly enough, as I shouted, I actually did hear them slam a door. I think that was coincidence. I think they're working outside, but that is a funny coincidence that that happened at the same time. And you probably didn't even hear the door slam. Again, the benefits of a dynamic microphone. All right. That, that's pretty much like all the audio knowledge I ever have summed up into a 20 minute sec. How long was that? Was that actually like 20 minutes? All right, let's shift off audio. Let's talk about CPUs. AMD has launched the Ryzen 3000 XT CPUs. These were CPUs that were rumored quite some time ago to be direct competitors to Intel's latest 10th generation CPUs. Here's what we now know. The early reports we have were BS. Just straight up. The XT variants of these CPUs do have a slightly higher boost clock speed, but it's like 100 to 200 megahertz. The initial reports we had were closer to like an additional 800 megahertz to clearly try to give them better gaming performance. And it's just not really there. Granted, they are the same price. So if you're debating between, say, what is what is a valid model number? If you're debating between, say, a 3800X and a 3800XT, obviously go with the XT version. Obviously. 
But if you were hoping that this was going to be AMD's way to try and steal the gaming crown from Intel, it's not. But that being said, though, rumors are starting to come out that AMD is going to delay the Ryzen 4000 series because, well, AMD just has no valid competition. Yeah, Intel just can't keep up with AMD's multi-threadedness. And therefore, as a result, Intel is vastly inferior, and therefore AMD is vastly superior, and therefore AMD's not going to release the Ryzen 4000 series, because of course, there's no reason to, because 3000 is very superior, yes. That's the rumor. The rumor is stupid. Just straight up. There's no other way to describe the rumor. For the exact reasons I just said. Ryzen 3000 does not beat Intel when it comes to gaming. Therefore, there is still competition and in fact amd did come out and confirm ryzen 4000 is still despite quote not having competition and despite quote well well and also despite you know coronavirus and 2020 literally affecting everything about everything ever we are still going to see a ryzen 4000 launch this fall you want to know the other reason despite the fact that literally every single tech guy out there is saying amd is superior amd is superior amd is superior amd is superior do not misunderstand if i was building if i if i was if i was a ditch both of my computers right now and build both of these computers brand new from scratch, they'd both be AMD computers, without a doubt. The streaming PC would be an AMD 3800 to 3900, or either 3900 or 3900, or 3950 AMD part, rocking an RTX 2060, without a doubt, period. And then the gaming computer would be would be rocking a 3900 or a 3700 with whatever the biggest, baddest GPU I could afford. I, I'd go AMD in a heartbeat. But here's the thing. Once you go into the pre-built world... How much AMD do you actually see? Let's go to Dell. The gold standard in mediocrity. 
Here, let's go build a high-end business computer. Our options are Intel, 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 Intel. Ooh, or Intel. Fascinating. Oh, you're not convinced? What about a home PC? All right, let's go to... Let's go, let's go build a basic Inspire on for home. Let's go new desktop. Ooh, our options are Intel, 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 Intel. Ooh, or more Intel. But I want a gaming computer. All right, all right. I hear you. I don't blame you. Gaming's pretty awesome. Our options are Intel. Intel. Oh, no. There we go. We have one version of the Alienware Aurora, and that rocks a Ryzen CPU. But I want to go ahead and do all the crazy VX, VF, stuff. What, VFX? You know, maybe you should learn how to pronounce it first there, Tristan. But sure, let's go build a workstation. Let's go build a crazy high-end workstation. I mean, that's got that's bound to be running Threadripper, right? Oh, wait, no. Intel. Intel, Intel, or Intel. Okay, what about the big boy? Nope, Intel, 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 and Intel. But what about the laptops? All right. Biggest, highest-end mobile workstation laptop. That's got to be rocket. Nope, Intel. Despite the fact that AMD has the numbers to justify that they are by far the superior choice Intel still owns the mind share. This talk that AMD, without a doubt, has the best CPUs and therefore they can relax and hold back a generation, it's BS. AMD is going to keep releasing new CPUs and keep improving because they need to prove not to us tech heads who are looking at the numbers and looking to see what's the best CPU I can go and throw into my next pet project that I'm building from from scratch. They have to prove themselves to the big OEMs. They need to prove themselves to Dell, to Lenovo, to HP, to Acer, that yeah, 
We mean business. We are here to show that we do have a better way to build a CPU. And we want to do it. I mean, honestly, the biggest hurdle AMD has right now is manufacturing the chips. AMD relies on another manufacturer. I forgot their name and I feel bad about forgetting their name. Whereas Intel, they control their own manufacturer. All AMD does is design it and take it out to another semiconductor that I'm waiting for chat to very quickly bail me out of while I go ahead and open up another tab, drag it over to a window so no one can see me Google AMD chip manufacturer and find out that they're made by... God dang it, Google. TSMC, Global Foundries, thank you. Oh, that was almost killing me. That's AMD's bottleneck. Because TSMC manufactures for others as well. Intel, on the other hand... They had their own Ryan Shrout, which, by the way, I was kind of surprised to hear Ryan Shrout again. For those who don't know, in the early days, one of my primary sources was a website called PC Perspective, who was the editor-in-chief over at, and Ryan Shrout was the editor-in-chief over at PC Perspective. Nowadays, my process for gathering stories looks, casts a much wider net. But regardless, I was kind of surprised to find that Ryan Trout left PC Per because he was like the face of PC Perspective. And now he's at Intel. Like straight up goes from reporting on Intel to just becoming one with Intel. But in any case, Ryan Shrout has was showing off a was showing off a freaking laptop over at Intel. I had I was stumbling there for a bit, showcasing their prototype Tiger Lake GPUs with that has the next generation Z graphics built into them which is spelled XE by the way Z if you don't remember that is the name of Intel's mythical dedicated graphic card that would take up a PCI Express slot and everything And now it's just built into the CPU running on a laptop. But the thing that's impressive here is that it's running a pretty modern title, Battlefield 5, on the high settings at 1080p at 30 frames per second. 
deal! My graphic, my freaking 1060 can do that! But does your 1060 generate almost no heat and sip 5 watts? I actually don't know what the exact wattage of this GPU is. But the fact that an integrated GPU can pull this off is actually fairly impressive. And the fact that it's an Intel GPU doing it and not an AMD one is more impressive. My friends, Intel might actually make a mainstream mobile CPU that is actually compelling and turning very low-end thin-and-light laptops into fairly respectable gaming machines. Needless to say, we're going to keep our eyes close on that. One thing I'm not thrilled about, though, is reports saying that Intel will soon be baking in anti-malware defenses directly into the CPUs. Oh, no. (laughs) Even chat is currently saying, oh, no. All right, raise a hand. Who's looking forward to this? No one? Yeah, that's what I thought. Who's asking for who's asking for hardware level protections? I'm sorry. I don't see this going very well at all. One person in the chat is saying that that it's for code hardening and for controlling the flow of stuff. It's might not be as bad as it sounds. You know, I'll, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll just, I'll keep my fingers crossed. I'll keep my fingers crossed. But I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm just gonna say, granted, I'm more of a skeptic. I'm a very skeptical person. I got a bad feeling about this. I could be wrong. I'm not going to put out the blanket statement saying that, oh, all these CPUs should be avoided like the plague. We'll see. The same person in chat is saying that this is going to help make exploiting vulnerabilities a lot harder. And that would actually make sense. If the sole purpose of this is to bite these sort of hardware vulnerabilities that Intel has had on the spot and make it so that even if a vulnerability is found that it's infinitely harder to take advantage of, that would make a lot more sense. And that I could see. Oh, with software vulnerabilities, not hardware vulnerabilities. Okay, that's that's my bad for, for reading that incorrectly. Needless to say, because I do have to move on from the topic, 
We don't know much. Because we don't. We'll be seeing this in Tiger Lake, which is going to be coming out soon. And I'm going to be very curious as to what the performance is going to look like. And also, if it's going to brick legacy software. So just be clear, I'm not condemning it. Out of the box. I am not saying this is bad and you should feel bad. I'm just saying we're going to keep a close eye on it. Have I made that clear enough? No one else I should make clear? The Steam Summer Festival is going on. I'm not going to lie. I completely forgot about it. Actually, by the time this comes out, there's a decent chance it's going to be over. It started on the 16th, and uh, yeah, it actually ends like the day this podcast comes out. Quick, go to Steam and check things out. There's apparently downloadable demos and everything going on there. I'm not going to lie. I've actually completely neglected it. I have been so busy with everything going on lately that I feel bad. Kind of like how Stadia has been busy trying to figure out how to justify their existence. And they think they have found a way with the exclusive Krata that will allow you to design levels and whatnot and then share them. And also, on top of that, the state sharing just allows you to save a game state and then jump in at any moment, or even jump into a friend's multiplayer game. Yes, this is how Stadia will justify its existence. And you know, if you weren't compelled yet to jump on board the Stadia bandwagon, I got good news for you. Stadia is announcing a Stadia Connect, which is definitely not a ripoff of Nintendo and Net conferences for July 14th. So, hey, you know what that means? Stadia is guaranteed to exist until at least July 14th. <laughs> How bad is it? That's that's the only guarantee you can make about Stadia. <laughs> oh. Good job. Good job. Chat says you better get two Stadias in case one breaks. Uh, if you couldn't sense my sarcasm... I do think this uh, this Krata game does look pretty cool. But, um... Yeah, don't invest in Stadia Connect. Just don't. I'm sorry, Stadia has just broken way too much of my trust. And it's gonna take 
a lot to earn it back. Hell, EA is doing everything in its power to earn back my trust, but I'm sorry, EA. You've been too EA to me. And I just don't know if I can take you back in my life. You've hurt me in so many ways. But at the same time, you know, you, you are EA, you are promising that Apex Legends is going to come out to the Switch and Steam and you're going to ask add cross-play pl- support. So I guess I could just get Apex Legends and absolutely slaughter Switch users. Because even my bad first-person shooter skills will absolutely slaughter someone trying to use the, the Nintendo Switch controllers. And I know that you're bringing games like The Sims 4, Titanfall 2 to Steam. It's, it's a good start. I mean, killing off Origin and Origin telling me that my screen name I've had since high school is a curse word and therefore should never ever be used... I mean, that, that hurt, EA. That, that really hurt. That almost hurt as much as the horrible things you've done to my beloved RTS Command & Conquer over the years. That, that's, that still leaves a hole in my heart. But, you know, at least you're trying to make amends. And, in fact, you are launching a new Star Wars game, Star Wars Squadron. And you are promising, promising there's going to be no loot boxes or any in-game purchasable items, which is very un-EA of you. I get that you're trying to earn my trust back, but you've still hurt too much of my trust. Oh, there's a new skate game? Oh, everything's forgiven. You know what the worst part is? There's probably a lot of people that are that are now just like instantly in love with EA because they have finally finally released a new skate game, which was like pretty much the biggest meme ever. But there you go. There's a new skate game. I mean real talk though. Um I still don't trust EA. But these are good steps in trying to be less EA than EA has been in the past. But it's gonna be hard to try and forgive EA for the sins of its past. We're going to take a break here. When we come back, I'm going to make up for the fact that there were almost no weird stories last week. Trust me, you're not going to want to miss this. We saved serious cash with our progressive home and auto bundle and used the money to buy a new boat. Who's ready to water ski? <laughs> this is not a real testimonial. Sure, customers can save big money with Progressive, but not enough for a new boat. 
They'll probably spend it on rent or gas money or maybe one of those little plastic waiting pools for the yard. Ahoy there! Is what the captain might say on the toy boat in your waiting pool. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Welcome back, Eagle Eyes on Tech. I'm Eagle Falcon. So, apparently, the Xbox Series X dashboard is going to be the same as the Xbox One, and this has people furious. I am willing to bet that uh, those same people would be upset if the dashboard was changed to... You ever kind of notice that? How whenever there's change, everyone complains, but whenever everything stays the same, everyone complains. And therefore, by default, you literally cannot win. UI is just for, going to forever be complained about, no matter what. I'm not going to lie, though. I have no idea what the Xbox One dashboard looks like because, to me, the Xbox as a platform is still underlined, still a very much non-compelling platform as a whole, at least to me, as someone who enjoys gaming on a PC. Just saying. Google is testing out text fragment links. The ability to... Link only a chunk of text rather than the whole web page that it's from. Chat's apparently talking about um, the Epic Game Store being uh, particularly rude when say when someone's saying that uh, the Epic Game Store just wouldn't run on their PC and. <laughs> Apparently, the customer support told told that person just go buy a PC, go buy a new PC, idiot. That is, uh, that's very fascinating. Actually, I'm, at, I, I, I would be legitimately curious as to why it wouldn't run because it's not like a launcher takes a whole lot of resources, right? Either way, that's still, um. That's still, if that's the exact words they use, that's a very, very rude way to go about it. Someone else in chat thinks it's possibly a CPU instructions limit. That is just not very efficient in one way or another. It could be, it also could just be that it's built, I don't know. It's kind of weird, you know? Because, like, for for example, I still have, sitting in the server room, my old Z800. And on paper, it's a PC that should still, in fact, run just about ever, anything, right? PCI Express 3.0, rocking two 6-core, 3.4 gigahertz Xeon processors. But in the end, because the processors are so old... 
there's just certain instructions that just can't do. There's also certain efficiencies that just aren't in place. So even though on paper the PC should be able to handle anything I can throw at it, there are just certain limitations. Heck, it couldn't even handle this mixer. It just couldn't. Because the instructions weren't there. It's why I had to upgrade. TM. So it, it, it is sad to say it, but I, I would be very, very curious as to the core details. And of course, without me like actually being there and seeing exactly how it behaves, there's no way that I or any other tech support person could know. But that being said, the whole story, if said exactly to the word as it, as it was mentioned here, very, very rude. And if I was in charge of that department, I would at least suspend that particular tech support guy. But in any case, Google testing out text fragment links instead of linking the entire page to try and get around a lot of various news outlets being angry with Google for sharing the entire article without sharing any of the ads for said article. I'm not going to lie, though. I don't know how much people are going to be enthusiastic about it. I mean, let's let's be real for a second. Would you be happy getting a, getting a link that holds a single sentence and unable to look up the rest of the paragraph to get the context of said sentence? I wouldn't. I'd be a little ticked off about it. If you suddenly just got a link that said that that said eagle eats kittens, but it ignored the 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 chunk before that that said that that said eagle said sarcastically, etc. 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 Ugh. I don't know. I don't see it being very useful, but I got a feeling I have no choice in the matter. Google has decided to work with parallels in order to make Chromebooks more useful. And by useful, I mean give a use outside of looking at YouTube videos. Because that's pretty much where the usefulness of Chromebooks ends in the first place. Yes, I know I have triggered every single Chromebook user out there listening to me right now, I still don't care. I still stand by the fact that going and getting a used Windows laptop is still vastly superior to a Chromebook, and you still have not made a compelling point as to why Chromebooks should be allowed to exist. I swear, Chromebooks are just pretty much manufactured brand new e-waste. Prove me wrong. You can't still... That being said, Chromebooks can now run Microsoft Office. Yay! <laughs> uh, I, I, I'm waiting for the chat to fill with the various ar- arguments. Because I, I, I always know the one argument that keeps coming up. 
that it's better for me to go get a new or better yet a used Chromebook and give that to my kids so that I can use my real computer. And so far, that is by far the best argument that Chromebook users have. I would still go and and rather pick up a frickin' $80 Dell Latitude nothing and hand off that to them. It's just me. Someone else in chat says, I'd rather get my kid an, uh, a cheap iPad with a key- keyboard. I wouldn't. I've, I've seen what uh, iPads go for. Frickin' 12 or 13 inch Dell Latitude. The gold standard in mediocrity. You can pick them up on eBay. And just reformat them with Windows 10 and just put in the parental controls and everything you'd want. And have full control over it for cheaper but then again I also worked in in a world with uh, where I've done so many computer refurbishes that it's literally a task that is not intimidating to me at all that being said I am not against the, the concept of Here's an, here's an iPad kid go nuts. I absolutely am not. New iPads, yeah, three hundred but three hundred dollars, like so, someone just just said in chat. It's that's not a bad choice. I would actually also say a uh, good used iPad. I've seen uh, one generation old iPads come off lease for like a hundred and twenty dollars. Which is also very, very compelling. But in any case, let's get into... The the point is... No one has still convinced me that Chromebooks have a purpose in this world. Still. And I know my inbox is going to fill with Chromebook fanboys justifying the Chromebook's place in the world. These... Still aren't going to succeed. In any case, a new space company known as Space Perspective wants to go and create a balloon that could take passengers up into the stratosphere to show the wonders of space and more importantly, to finally take every single tinfoil hat wearing flat earther, shake them by the cuff of their shirt, and and have them stare out the curtains and say, "Look how wrong you are!" Oh my God! I actually don't know if that really is their life goal: is to disprove every single flat earther on the planet. But I mean, this would, without a doubt, by far be the final piece of, piece of proof if in fact these flat earthers can be taught that would be the, the definitive proof 
Boston Dynamics is finally selling the robot they have been bullying for what feels like 69 years. If you don't know about this, you've probably seen their videos. Spot the Robot is their robotic dog that they have been showcasing for a very, very long time. And showing just how far they can get in robotics. And more importantly, how the Spot Robot can maintain its balance and recover from losing its balance. Which, that is a lot harder than it sounds for a robot. The robot will, in fact, go on sale to the public for the low, low price of $74,500. Now, chat is asking some very good questions. And I think the answer to all these questions of, can it fetch the paper? Can it get my slippers? Does it roll over? The answer to that would be if you want to learn how to code the robot properly, the answer is yes. Because I am fairly certain the robot is for the hardware only. And it's up to the end user to go and program the rest in. It's to note here, if I didn't mention it earlier, that this is going to be on sale to commercial customers. This is not, by any stretch of the imagination, a consumer product. Chad also wants to know if it can be equipped with weaponry. Um, I mean, you could equip it with weaponry. I would also expect... uh, Expect a knock on the door if you equipped it with weaponry. I'm just saying. It might not be the best idea to equip it with weaponry. I would, however, if I could just simply program it to go on walks with me, absolutely walk it as though it were my normal dog and see what kind of looks I get by my neighbors. That might be close to being worth the price tag. Another robot that was developed was by Amazon to try and automatically enforce social distancing at all of their distribution centers. To make sure that everyone stays a safe six feet away from each other to ensure that the virus does not spread like wildfire throughout their warehouses and that their warehouses would suffer the same sort of fate as a lot of meatpacking facilities did not too long ago. Now, 
pretty much every single tech out, out there that has been covering this story has had one of two opinions. One opinion is that, oh, wow, Amazon developed an AI to go do this sort of thing that they could have just as easily had a person go do. I guess that's another job that a person won't get. Or their opinion, or they had the opinion of, we're a news reporting outfit and we shouldn't inject our opinions into the situation. That has pretty much been the two opinions that have been stated about this story. Allow me to inject a third. I think this is brilliant. Like, think about Amazon what you will. But when you're talking about a disease, you have to take extreme precaution to prevent the spread. You really do. Because no matter how much you say, don't touch your eyes. Don't touch your face. It's that simple. It's not. And I have been saying this over and over again. I have also been saying over and over again that this disease isn't as big a deal as people want to make it out to be. And, well, I have been proven both correct and incorrect in that regard. But that's a topic for, that's, you know, that's, that's you know, what, three months ago? Nine years ago? However long ago that was. My point in this is that I think it's smarter to have a machine and a program kind of give that gentle nudge about keeping distance rather than a person because let's be honest a person has to take breaks a person cannot stay watching at all times and a person let's be honest they it is very difficult for a person to judge what six feet is at a moment's notice. So I kind of, I get where this is coming from. I get it. All right. And I think for Amazon to put in this, this kind of system to try and make sure that to try and keep the spread to as as little as possible I think it's actually a pretty good idea that being said oh my god Amazon has literally outfitted their warehouses to always be watching you can you get any more big brother than that woo that is a uh, that 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 is a perfect ten on the creepo meter. The only thing worse would be ha- would be having it done by drones and having the drones follow Amazon employees everywhere. So there you go, a unique look at it. You know what I actually do regret? I actually had a chance 
to uh, take a tour of the uh, Amazon fulfillment si- uh, facility in our area. And unfortunately, something came up at the last minute and I had to cancel my appointment with Amazon to actually take that tour. Because a lot of people talk about how all these facilities are just absolute, absolutely terrible and violate all kinds of health laws and this, that, and the other thing. And I'm sure that there are all, that there's all sorts of various this, that, and the other things that are put in to maintain, quote, peak efficiency that that I personally would not implement at my own place. On the other hand, if what a lot of these people are saying is true, I have a very hard time believing it because someone would have blown a whistle and had OSHA come down like a fist of an angry god upon Amazon. So, I mean, all I'll say on the topic is if things are as bad as people are saying. For the love of God, blow the whistle. It's that simple. Now, if they are in compliance with. With your with your nation's labor laws. And you feel the conditions are too harsh, then. I mean, it's, it sounds terrible to say it, but I mean, leave. Find a better job. I mean, I don't want to sound like I'm being... Uh, anything, but he, he, All right, chat, chat says whistles have been blown, but they've been ignored. Don't blow the whistle to Amazon. Report them to your local officials. Because of course, if an if an employer is being bad and you blow the whistle to said employer, it's going to be literally a shocker to no one that the blown whistle will be ignored. That also being said, the story that was just listed was about coronavirus. I am not shocked at all that local officials were unable to do anything about it. Because literally every single governmental body in the world has been hilariously overwhelmed by coronavirus. Because, my God, coronavirus. And now we're getting to the topic of local officials on Amazon's payroll. And now we're starting to get into pretty conspiratorial theory sort of stuff. And as far as the note of find a better job, my God, I have been begging for workers at my place. I can't even stress how desperate some places have been for work. But in any case, we're starting to venture off what is tech news and what isn't. I am not on Amazon. Well, wait, actually, 
Crud. I actually am technically on Amazon's payroll. Wait. No, I'm not. Is being an independent contractor technically being on Amazon's payroll? The point is, nothing in my agreement with Amazon, with with Twitch and Amazon says I have to talk nice about them. So, yeah. <laughs> Chad, Chad brings up the question, do I get money from Amazon? Technically. But the thing is, the, the weird thing is that here in the U.S., the laws for uh, what you're required to do as a subcontractor for a company is different than if you were an employee. Because as a subcontractor, all you have to do is fulfill the agreement of the contract. And nowhere in the agreement I have with Amazon or with Amazon and, and Twitch says I have to talk nice about Amazon. Nor is there any sort of specific dress code or any sort, sort of thing like that. So it's technically no, I'm not on the payroll, but technically yes, it's a weird area and then all of a sudden chat says they could terminate my contract because reasons I mean they could they'd open themselves up to legal action But in any case, Eagle is owned by Amazon confirmed. No, no, I am not. Like the closest that Twitch could do, like let's say I bash Amazon to a point where they're uncomfortable with it. The only thing that Twitch could then do is suspend my account under the community guidelines of of what would be considered offensive speech. Uh, Anyway, moving to a stupider topic. KFC released a video saying that they are going to introduce a new gaming console. And unfortunately, it's not real. The KF console was a matte black box with a CD slot, which more than likely in their mock-up would have been a Blu-ray drive, a power button, and most importantly, a pull-out drawer that would function as an air fryer. All right, you know what? 
look, I know it's not possible for a game console to get hot enough to actually cook food without an additional heating element. But come on, KFC, do it. Do it. Make a bucket PC with an air fryer in it. Come on, we're calling you out. Come on, do it. Just make a heating drawer. Uh, You won't, though. It, It is quite a shame that they... That, that this is, in fact, ju- just a hoax. Because I was kind of looking forward to seeing, like, all right, what are you going to do? What, what, what are you, you going to do? It would have been very, very interesting to see Kentucky Fried Chicken get on the gaming industry. <laughs> Even if it would have just been a Windows PC. Now, granted, they did promise more information on November 12th, 2020, so uh, maybe they'll prove us wrong. They won't, though. I'm just saying. They won't. Now, before we get to the last verb, I do want to say, last week I did say... That based on the pictures that we're all seeing about the PlayStation 5, that it would only stand upright. Uh, That has been recently confirmed untrue. It will lay flat. Therefore, you could still use it as a very uneven hot plate. The dream is still alive. It, <laughs> the, the, the meme dream of the PS5 being a pizza slice warmer is still possible. Someone in chat is saying it still requires a different stand to lay flat. That wouldn't surprise me in the least. This, however, brings us to the last burb, the last story of the day, the absolute strangest story of the week, and quite possibly the weirdest story of all time. Oh yeah, sure enough, uh, the picture shown here by GameStop does show a small weird round base on the very bottom for it to happen but back to the story a video game has now been approved by the US Food and Drug Administration As a potential treatment for ADHD. You heard me. 
There is a video game that can be prescribed to children to help with ADHD. Uh, like, okay, okay, real talk. This particular video game called Endeavor RX has gone through clinical trials and has in fact been tested and has shown to have a positive effect on children with ADHD to help them overcome the negative symptoms of attention deficit disorder. And I already forgot what the H stands for in ADHD and I'm legitimately sorry. Oh, that's what it is. Hyperactivity. Attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. There we go. It was literally staring at me right in the face and all I had to do was, was read it. So, I mean, there was a clinical study done and that then that in fact this has in fact gone through the proper steps to be considered a legitimate treatment for ADHD but I'm sorry I still cannot help but chuckle and laugh at the fact that I now live in a world where a doctor can look at a parent and say, I recommend that your child play this video game for a couple hours, five days a week as a legitimate treatment for your legitimate disorder. That the child has. I know this is serious. But I seriously can't help. But laugh. At the fact that this is a real thing. That really exists. Oh 2020. You are one heck of a crazy year. Woo. At least some good came out of this in a weird sort of way. Folks, that is going to do it for this accidentally super long episode of Eagle Eyes on Tech, which contained way more accusing of me being an Amazon shill than I ever, ever expected. But thank you for listening. Please check out my daily podcast, The Early Bird Briefing, which you can find out wherever you found this podcast on iHeartRadio, on iTunes, all over the internet. And also make sure to check out my Twitch page at twitch.tv slash eaglefalcon. Take care, and I hope you have a good day.
All right, so how long until video games can be a cure for other things? I, I, I'm just asking. If we, if, if we can find a video game that's a cure for ADHD, how long until we can find a video game that's a cure for the common cold, that's a cure for, cure for pick a disease, a video game that's a cure for COVID? My God, that would have, that would have been, man, if we could freaking find the video game that would have cured COVID-19, we could have ended this lockdown by just having people play video games during COVID-19. It would have been the ultimate lockdown, the lockdown to end disease forever. Oh, if only video games were really that magical. The thing about the Home and Auto Bundle from Progressive is that by now you've heard a lot of ads about the Home and Auto Bundle from Progressive. We don't even need the words the Home and Auto Bundle anymore to tell you that you could save big with the ring-tailed lemur from Progressive or that every hot peach cobbler comes with round-the-clock service and protection. And that's the thing about the goat with magic powers. You've heard a lot of ads about the sushi in Vancouver. See how much you could save with the Home and Auto Bundle <clears throat> with the Shaman in the Jungle from Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Bundle discount not available in all states or situations. Modern leaders, it's not just their ability to reason that we value or their eloquence. It's more than their intelligence that we admire. What truly matters is their humanity. Just like modern leaders, the LS is human at heart. Every aspect of the Lexus LS is crafted around you, engineered to a higher standard, the human standard. The new 2021 Lexus LS. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer.